Well, abuse, of course, the first thing, and this sounds harsh, but it isn't. Uh, the first thing I have to tell people, uh, you know, when we, um, you can't sit on buzzards, eggs, and raise chicks, somebody told me a long time ago. And when you marry someone, I didn't marry them, you did. And the problem is today we're not warning our young people of the seriousness of this step. But let me just say quickly that I have advised many women to leave men who were brutalizing them and beating them. The only difference is I would tell them don't go to church because they'll send you down to the singles group and tell you to pick out a new one. Recognize that this husband is violating his covenant to love, honor, and cherish you and hold you in highest esteem. And the Bible says in Hebrews, God will judge that person. That does not break the covenant. It violates the covenant. But you should go back to 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11, live separately, and pray for reconciliation. Pray that God will speak to their heart. Pray that God will bring reconciliation between you and come back together again. And I've seen it happen when they've done that. But because the church has sent them down to the singles group to pick out a new one, they are, they're saying that it's better to, be, um, to marry than to burn, that we should go from fornication over to serial adultery and have uh, one partner after another partner after another partner uh, because the, the covenant is broken, and I don't know how it gets broken, but it gets broken, and we go back and get an, in another covenant to where the covenant means nothing, and the end result is our churches today, evangelical fundamental churches today, the divorce rate is 7% higher than the unchurched world because of this, this willy-nilly type of, of position that people are taking today. Oh, yes, the covenant is not a covenant, it's just an agreement. It is a covenant before God, and Malachi says it very, very clearly, and Jesus said it is too. If anyone marries and divorces and remarries, it is adultery, and the adulterer, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, will not inherit God's kingdom. Those that live that lifestyle without repenting of it before they die will not inherit God's kingdom. Okay, let's uh, go back to the uh, caller. Uh, Eugene, go ahead. Yes. Uh, I'm pleased with the answer. I agree with both of you guys. Uh, another situation is uh, really weird, but it's a true situation. 30 seconds, go. A couple of Christians are married for 20 years. They have a child, a teenage. They have a home, but uh, they don't have a happy marriage. They, uh, they are both Christians. They go to church, but they have no respect or love for each other whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they uh, don't have even marital relations. They sleep in separate rooms for 10 years already. Uh, and that led to the to to the men to cause uh, to seek other women, which is obviously adultery. Uh, what do you suggest to a couple like that who cannot reconcile, no matter how how hard they tried? All right, uh, John, go ahead. Two minutes. Well, I don't. I don't. Now we're talking about two believers here, so I mean, you don't have a situation ever where they can't uh, where they can't get along. They may not like each other. They may not love each other. They may not be having relations, but um, but they can. Uh, marriage is about love, and love is not uh, some kind of a feeling that people have. And uh, look, I mean, marriage is also about trouble. Uh, the the apostle advises. Uh, those uh, unmarried uh, in, 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 in to not marry unless they have to and he, it doesn't it's not pro a problem that he advises that way because most of us need to be married it's not many of us that are gifted like the apostle and even that was qu consistent with what the Lord said because he pointed out that it's troublesome and the apostle said well then uh, it's better not to even marry and the Lord says well not everybody can hear that but here you've got two Christians. Uh, God doesn't want two Christians divorced. He doesn't want anybody divorced. But uh, uh, he, he would tell both of these parties 
not to initiate a divorce. And uh, if neither of these parties initiate a divorce, there isn't going to be one that happens. You have 45 seconds left. You want to use that anyway? Oh, yeah. Let me use it to now talk about uh, the, the principles that, uh, that the Apostle really gives us for the conditions that he plainly said. He says, this I speak not the, to the rest, I speak not the Lord. He doesn't mean that this is not God's word. He means that God did not speak about certain circumstances. And uh, both the cases that, well, and one of the cases that Eugene gave, uh, whereas our conclusions might have been the same, so you could agree with both of us, uh, Mr. Webb cited uh, uh, verses 10 and 11 in the case of an unbeliever, but verses 12 and 13 specifically give those cases and say if they're pleased to dwell with you, stick with them. All right, uh, we go to uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, go ahead, sir. The first thing I would like to say is there are a lot of people, I mean, we have Christian pencils and Christian balloons and Christian yo-yos now in our churches, and everybody who says they believe in Christ are not necessarily Christians. Paul, uh, Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister in his own life also, he can't be my disciple. And if he's not willing to take up his cross every day and follow me, he's not my disciple. And whosoever he be of you that is not willing to forsake everything he has cannot be my disciple. So I would simply say to this young couple, first of all, who's, what makes you believe that you're a Christian? The Word of God says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and they won't be grievous to you. The second thing I'd have to say to them, can you love this person that you married and promised to marry, a promise to love and cherish? Can you love them as your neighbor then? If they say no, then say you have to love them as your enemy then, because the Bible says love even your enemies, and love is not a feeling, it is a decision. You choose. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We didn't deserve it, and God gave us that love. And you and I do not deserve love at all. But God gave it to us, and when you marry someone, people say, well, he wasn't what I thought he was, or she wasn't what I thought she was. That's too bad. You're in the covenant now. You are to love them, even if God's for Christ's sake does, and, and lift them up and encourage them and build them up. And you know what happens? Resentments keep building up, and we have to go back and repent and ask for them for forgiveness and ask God for forgiveness so we can be made whole. Thirty seconds more. Do you want to continue? Well, I just simply want to say they can, they can hate each other all they want to, but God says they are in a covenant. And the answer is not to get a divorce and go down to the singles group and pick you out a new one because the divorce rate today is 50%, second marriage is 60%, third marriage is 75%. God's way is best always. Let us go to uh, Bruce. Bruce, welcome. Hi, Marty. Thank you. I'd like to present a question to both of them in a innocent scenario party or a party who's innocent. Let's say there's a man and he becomes a born-again Christian, and he has never been married. After he becomes a born-again Christian, he's burning, and he decides that he needs to be married because the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn, and he marries a Christian woman. After they're married, the woman decides that she does not want to be in submission to a man, so she files for divorce and leaves. So here's this innocent man who's burning. Can he marry again scripturally? All right, interesting question. Let's go to uh, John first uh, with that. John, go ahead. Okay, well, is she, mar is she married now? Did she remarry? She did, but w she what if did? she didn't? What she if she didn't, though? For well, her? okay, what if she didn't? Well, if she didn't remarry, uh, and they're both Christians, isn't that right? Right. Well, okay. then, then, they can be, they, then they can be reconciled. She filed for a divorce, I'm guessing, 
that he that that she remarried. Okay, let's let me take the second the second scenario. I mean, I don't know why somebody files for divorce if they don't want to marry, but uh, unless it's just about property. But okay, so now if she marries, uh, she's married to another man. Uh, he can't. Uh, it wouldn't be right for him to wait for her one afternoon and say, "Hey, baby, you're looking nice today," and uh, you know, go into her house and have relations with her. That would be wrong. So if that's wrong, then they're not married. Otherwise, that's a right thing. And I suppose Mr. Webb thinks that would be fine. Uh, okay, John, you've got one more. You know, minute. I just find her, you know. Oh, i got a minute. Yeah, l- let, me talk about, uh, let me talk about a few of the doctrinal problems that Webb's got here. And, I, you know, I'm sorry you're from Nebraska. Uh, uh, I thought you were from Florida. Uh, and I'm real sorry to hear that you're going to be teaching this in churches here in Nebraska because this is pernicious stuff, especially the stuff like, well, if you don't take up your cross daily, then what? What? I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, I don't know anybody, or if you don't forsake all that you have, I bet, I'll bet, Mr. Webb, I'll bet you've got some stuff you haven't forsaken, and uh, I'll bet there's days that you haven't gone the way of the cross, and so what are you saying here? I mean, uh, it's not as if, for example, adultery doesn't happen when you lust in your heart. That's also adultery, and what sins exactly are you saved from, and which ones aren't you saved from? I'm sorry that uh, Brother Bruce thinks that what I'm teaching is pernicious, but what I'm teaching is consistent with the Apostle Paul without making him into a schizophrenic. And when someone says, well, if they got divorced and remarried, well, then that allows them, they're married now, so now you can go ahead and get remarried. That flies directly in the face of what Jesus said very clearly. If I put names to that verse in Luke 16:18, if Jack divorces Jill and marries Sue... Jesus said, that is not a marriage, that's adultery. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And then he said, and if whoever comes along and marries Jill, if Sam marries Jill, who has been put away in that divorce by Jack, he causes her to commit adultery. Now, you can dress it up in any kind of dress you want to, but adultery is adultery is adultery. And when, for the question that this brother had, he says, what if this woman leaves and he's still burning? God's grace is sufficient. I was married for 29 years, and the Lord called my sweetheart out of my life. And I was very happily married. I was used to the married life. And for eight and a half years, I walked as a widower. And I did not remarry. It was, it was a time of struggle for a long time until I committed that thing to the Lord. And he said, he'll never put more on us than we can bear. And God's grace is sufficient in a situation like that. He, he, God never called us to be happy. God called us to be holy. And I will assure my brother that I do not profess sinlessness at all, but I profess that I try to keep short books with God. When anything comes into my life, like any other sin, I carry it to the cross and I repent of it. That doesn't mean I'm saying I'm sorry. It means I quit it. That's the biblical... By the way, let me just make a statement. Jesus Christ did not die for sin. Jesus Christ died for repentant sinners. Uh, We need to set up the scenario again. Two believers get married. Uh, The woman uh, jumps ship. Uh, John, go ahead. You've got two minutes here. I actually said that the brother could remarry if she married again, uh, because he can't. Uh, here's what here's what I do not believe. I do not believe it is possible that that someone is your wife but you're not her husband. And uh, Mr. Webb ducked the question that in the case where uh, we have uh, Jim and Nancy, and Nancy leaves Jim, and then Nancy goes and marries Bill, can Jim go over and visit Nancy and have sexual relations with her uh, when Bill's away at work? I mean, that's really the kind of scenarios that come up here. If, if he believes that God does not re- recognize a remarriage, for example, or a second marriage, 
then, you know, Jim can go and look hunt down Nancy no matter who her current husband is and should, in fact. Okay, let's go to uh, Mr. Webb. Mr. Webb, go ahead. What, what is incredible to me is the defense that people put up for the second marriage and poo-poo the first marriage. He is saying, well, now Nan- Jim can come back to Nancy. It is his wife, but it's better for Nancy to stay in bed with another man who isn't her husband. Because, you see, God doesn't recognize the first marriage now anymore. God had to violate his own righteousness, holiness, and justice when he says, I cause you to be one flesh for life. Now, God, you're going to have to repent and get off of that little wagon right quick because Jim and Nancy have decided to separate, and now he's going to, Nancy's going to marry this other girl, and so uh, other man, so now that's not, uh, Jim is no longer your husband, see? That marriage took care of it. I, I just am floored at the theology that is pouring out of our churches today. God said, Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he said, what God... I'm going to uh, ask for a minute response from uh, both parties here on, uh, on a particular question. Then uh, we have uh, a couple of callers online. Uh, let's go to uh, John uh, Malone first. Uh, John, uh, you mentioned the names Jim and Nancy. Uh, Nancy walks away from Jim, uh, remarries uh, another man by the name of Bill. Does uh, Jim have any claim upon uh, Nancy, in your view? One minute. Well, any claim ducks the question, Marty. What really we want to know is, can Jim now go look up Nancy and have sexual relations? Well, I'm saying, does he have any... Well, here's my point. If a man can't have sexual relations with a woman... He's not married to her. If we think it's wrong for those two to have sexual relations, then they're not married. Then we, then we do not believe that they're married. If we think they're married, then we must uh, agree that it's right for them to give one another due benevolence. So in the scenario I gave, I just asked Mr. Webb, look, is it okay for Jim now to go look up Nancy and start having relations with her, though she's married to Bill? And it gets even worse than that because the real world is Jim was married to Mary, and Nancy was married to Bill, and they're both divorced and married to each other, and now do they just go around and have sex with the women and men that they had first? Okay, let's see. We will go to uh, Joseph Webb for a one-minute answer to the question, sir. Marty, I think the real answer here is something that uh, we seem to be avoiding, and that is God's law always supersedes man's law. So you are, uh, just so I can clarify this, you are saying uh, even though Nancy has remarried another man, Bill, Jim can have sex with her? Well, what I'm saying is that he's saying she's married to him. God says it's adultery. The adultery is is between uh, this Bill and Nancy, not Jim and Nancy. That's the adultery. But but you're saying that, that Jim can go have sex with Nancy? I'm saying that Jim and Bill are, or Jim and Nancy are still one flesh. They are married. That second uh, service or ceremony, God Himself won't even go to. Okay, but it seems inappropriate to me to say that Jim has any sexual claim upon Nancy at all. Say, say that again. I said God said that when He put two people together, it is a covenant. And that's what he said in Malachi. That's why he quit blessing Israel for 400 yes years. Or, yes or no? Yes or no? Guess what? Can't. You're the one that says, you know, keep your vows, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Are yes. you saying, yes or no, are you saying that it's just perfectly fine for Jim to have sexual relations with Nancy? 
I'm saying that yes, it's fine for Jim and yes, Nancy to have yes. sex, continue to have sex, and for her to repent of her adultery. She's the one that's in adultery. Yes so, or no? So y- you are saying that if, uh, in the eyes of the world, uh, Nancy is remarried to Bill, uh, it would be appropriate for Jim to have relations with Nancy because God doesn't recognize the remarriage. In fact, Nancy is the one that's committing the adultery with, with Jim, with uh, Bill, because Bill, or Jim and Nancy were made one flesh for life. If both of them had come to the altar for the first time to, to become married, God says that covenant is for life. And Paul said it, if she be married to another man while her husband liveth, let her be called an adulteress. Now, let's quit calling them husband and wife. It's adultery. Okay, let me, uh, uh, Joseph, let me ask you to uh, query John on this particular point for about two minutes, and I'll have him uh, query you, and then we'll go back to the callers. Uh, Joseph, go ahead. John, when, when the new laws that are now coming into effect, which Jesus said is going to happen in the last days, that uh, it's going to be like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and laws are going to be passed where sodomy is going to be um, okayed, uh, how soon do you feel that your church will open the door to that situation? Since, I mean, man's law has said now it's okay. Look, I'm not going to answer a stupid question like that with any kind of It's not stupid because you're doing the same thing right now with this You're the one who's promoting sexual immorality here. I beg your pardon. You're the one who is advising people who had a former marriage to go ahead and have sexual relations with somebody else's wife. You're calling it a former marriage. You're you're darn right, right you're darn right I am. You're, you're darn right I'm saying that, and you're the guy who's recommending the sexual immorality. Not only indeed, by the way, but there's people listening to this. There are people listening to this who have had failed marriages, who, who, who on a second marriage receive Christ as their Savior, sometimes both parties, and you're encouraging these people to go back and lust after their former partners. Now, you ought, to be, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, but you're not ashamed of you ought and to repent of it if they're, if they're in sin. That's why you can't answer straight out, yes, those two should go ahead and have sexual relations. You won't I, answer it with a straight yes, because you know that's not right. Oh, I'll answer it immediately. Then, a, then do it, because it took you eight should, minutes. Go ahead, go this ahead, This is my Joseph. time. You did it. John, it now, you hold eight. on now. Any married couple should have sex freely. Any married couple, but not an adulterous relationship. So Jim so should go Jim back. So Jim should go ahead and have relations have with mar- Nancy. Have marriage relationships. So in the case, okay, let's hear. We got Jim and Nancy. We got John and Lucy. They're both. In fact, uh, John used to be married to Nancy, and now Jim is, and Jim and uh, and he's married to Lucy. You're saying that this guy should be able to go back and have sex with his first wife, even though no, she's I'm not married. No, I'm saying that you, and he you should. Got it wrong. Not only should he okay, be John. able to, but he should do it. All right, stand by. Uh, Joseph, go ahead. John, I'm saying that you're calling it marriage, and God says it isn't marriage, so you're trying to make a situation, use a situation that isn't even valid. These people are not married after the first couple were married. Any relationship they have with anyone else, that is the adultery, not the first one. Was Jacob married to Rachel? I believe he was, and that's why it says in Acts, in the past, they, they did things because of their ignorance, and God winked at it and let it slide by. But now, to do since with Christ Jacob. has come, he commands all men everywhere to repent. That had to do with Gentile nations before the flood. That had nothing to do with Jacob. I beg your pardon? That, the passage that you cite has absolutely nothing to do with Jacob. Okay, let, let me uh, jump in here. I, I want to resume control. Hold, hold oh, here. Was David married to Bathsheba? was. Was David? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. What about Abigail? What about Michael? 
Absolutely. In fact, in the Old Testament, God allowed many things back. He also allowed slaves, and he allowed multiple wives. So, and he so allowed, you're saying uh, that David lived in the times of ignorance that God winked at. That's right. You're, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, okay, let I me, didn't say it. Paul the Apostle said it. Good question, and the, the, uh, it's one that's been b- badly distorted nowadays. Again, we have to go back to what the Scriptures say, and that is when we talk about grace, some people have made grace license. And grace is not license. In fact, Titus tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Now, we're talking about the right kind of grace here, the kind that brings salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us, this is what the true grace of God teaches us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from, not in, from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise thee. And again with grace, Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we that are now dead unto sin live any longer therein? And this idea that we can just go on and on and on and on and sin and sin and sin and sin and not ask for, not repent of it, is not a scriptural position. And the question, the other question is, what do we say then when Paul says, don't be deceived? Whenever he says that, it's an area where we're going to have deception. Adulterers shall not, now he's talking about lifestyles, not act of adultery, but lifestyles. Adulterers shall not inherit God's kingdom. And that does not mean that they just won't have happiness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because when he talks about looking at a woman with lust, he says, it's better to pluck out your eye than to be cast into the lowest parts of hell. I didn't write it. Paul and Jesus said it. Okay, so are you saying that if uh, Bill gets remarried uh, and stays remarried to his second wife, he will not go to heaven? Well, if he, if he continues to live in an adulterous relationship with one that is not his wife, and does not repent of that. I have to keep changing our vocabulary because you keep calling the second relationship a marriage, and Paul and Jesus says it's not. Uh, okay, uh, just for sake of clarity, a man uh, divorces his wife, a Christian man divorces his uh, wife, a believing woman uh, goes out and in the eyes of civil authorities remarries, then, uh, two years later, recognizes, uh, I should never have divorced my original wife, uh, but because I have uh, remarried uh, a new woman, uh, I'm going to stay uh, faithful to her. You're saying that that man is living in sin, is that correct? It's a false um, assumption that he's doing right by staying with someone that's not his wife. That's why God said in Jeremiah 3, uh, you're my wife, Israel, and you have, uh, you have constantly committed adulteries against me, but if you'll only repent, I will take you back. Even though you're an adulteress, I'll take you back because you are still my wife. Okay, Art, we, I should have asked this in the beginning. Do, do you believe that a man can lose his salvation uh, from that? Marty, that's an age-old question that comes up, and the real question is not, can I lose it or can I keep it? The real question is, what constitutes a genuine born-again experience? That's what I thought. Okay, you know, Marty, here, I'm going to just butt in, and I know it sounds very rude over the air and everything, this guy filibusters without ever answering that man's question. It was a very simple question, does the man lose his salvation or not? Uh, Of course, salvation can't be lost. It's the gift of God. That's what the Bible teaches. 
this guy's dancing all over the story. That's the way these guys do. Well, he must not really be saved if he doesn't do this, that, or the other thing. Repentance, faith, baptism works. What works? Well, whatever works. You know, you can't do too much of this and too much of that. Next thing you know, you're back right into Romanism. That's just exactly what this kind of thing is. Uh, it's a failure to distinguish between the gift of God, which is eternal life, and the prize of the calling on high, which has to do with the faithful living of a Christian life. This guy can't see the difference. He shouldn't be teaching. Uh, Joseph Webb, go ahead. This is incredible that the Apostle Paul himself spoke of false brethren that were in the midst, but he also spoke about those who allowed liberty to become license those who justified things that God would not justify in his word. And it says that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And we're not talking about holiness anymore. I have a situation here in Florida where a woman in one church went down to the singles group, and the pastor married her to six different men. And my question to John is, now which one is really her husband? Oh, oh, okay, let, let me ask you, uh, uh, Mr. Webb, I... Uh, I find it somewhat incredible that you believe that a man who remarries uh, maybe has uh, children by a uh, uh, another woman, not originally his wife, uh, that you apparently believe that his salvation is in jeopardy if he stays with that woman and raises that family. That uh, that that troubles me. Now uh, let me let me say something. I'll simply this. say what the scripture says. What constitutes adultery? Okay. Whoever divorces and remarries. Paul said, don't be deceived. Adulterers will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, you right. classify who is an adulterer. Right. I don't have yeah. to. God does. All right, your time's up. Look, <laughs> uh, here's what the Apostle Paul, this is for the listener. I mean, I'm not going to talk to this guy much. I'm going to just address the listener. Uh, here's the, how the Apostle, I want, I want the listeners to understand the way that people talked about the Apostle Paul. This is in Romans chapter 3. Here's the way he was slandered, and I think it's important to know how he was slandered, not just that he was slandered. Uh, it says, uh, if the truth of God is abounded more unto my lie, unto his glory, this is Romans 3, verse 7, why yet am I also judged as, as a sinner? Now here's Romans 3, 8, and not rather as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, this is the apostle and his company, were accused of saying, let us do evil that good may come, whose judgment or con condemnation is just. So I I'd just soon be with the Apostle Paul and be slanderously reported that I affirm uh, uh, what he affirms. And, and they said to him, they, they said about the Apostle, this is the early church fathers, by the way, uh, just like the Apostle told uh, the, the elders in Ephesus, out of your own cells will rise up men. Uh, and when I depart, so will wolves come in. Uh, this doctor, this kind of pernicious stuff, it's a piece of stoicism, it has all this nice little sound to it, but it leads to reckless, careless, wanton immorality, not just indeed, because I don't think somebody's going to actually act on this. As I told Marty before the broadcast, I'm concerned about the thought life of the believer because we can sin in thought, word, and deed. Uh, let's see here. Tony, it's you. Hi. Hello? Yeah, Tony? Yeah, I had a question. Yeah. Um, if there was a woman who had had an adulterous affair with a man, and as a result uh, found out afterwards that she was in an adulterous relationship, now she went on to marry another man who was a Christian. 
uh, is that man a, is that man committing adultery with her, the the Christian man? Okay, good question, uh, Joseph Webb. You go first. I'm going to give you a minute. I don't understand the question. I'm sorry, Marty. Okay, stand by, Tony. Uh, re uh, re ask that question. Okay, the woman has committed adultery. Let's let's uh, give her name, Nancy. Nancy's committed adult. Uh, is she married? Is Nancy married as you're talking? No. She later on married after she committed adultery. She later on married a man who was a Christian. Okay. Okay. Is that man committing adultery who's the Christian? Okay. All right. I think I can explain it. Uh, Nancy is unmarried. She uh, fornicates, has sex with someone she's not married to. Later she goes on to uh, marry a Christian man. Uh, what's her status in your view, Joseph? Well, first of all, uh, I'm, I'm just trusting that she repented of her relationship there, but uh, sex does not make marriage. This is the thing, you see, this is why so many are teaching, well, if they've gone off and had sex with another person, gets married to them, well, then they're married because they've had sex. Sex does not make the marriage, otherwise there would be no such thing as fornication. And uh, so if she marries, just because she had sex with someone does not make her one flesh with them. If the other person was married, and first of all, and secondly, if they didn't make a commitment to each other, they were fornicating. But then if she marries someone else later and becomes a Christian, marries someone else, in God's sight, if it's under the blood, it's under the blood and forgiven forever because it's been repented of. And the same thing is true when people say, well, they repented of their first marriage. You can't repent of your first marriage. That wasn't sin. The second, the second relationship is the sin. And uh, what is interesting, too, uh, Marty, is the verse that he just read. I just couldn't believe how he brought that out uh, there in Romans. Okay. Uh, Paul was saying there that... Uh, Stand, stand by here for just a minute, uh, Joseph, and uh, I'll go to John for a minute, and we'll come back to the Scripture. John, go ahead. Well, of course, this is, uh, this is where I thought with it uh, Mr. Webb would be getting to, because here's what you see. You see, the problem isn't the, isn't the sexual relationships. The problem with him is the vow. See, it's the promise. In other words, if, you, if you'll just cohabit with a woman and never promise to marry her, and just live like like so many of our people are doing today. In fact, that is the predominant form of uh, what we have today. So if you'll just cohabit with somebody and have sexual relations with them, children, doesn't matter, and never promise till death do us part, never say those things, you can have all the sexual benefits of marriage, uh, and uh, you and then and then. Uh, you can marry somebody else if you want to, but why do that? Why not just also live with them? So this is the kind of pernicious stuff that, that unwinds from a false doctrine. And, of course, no, pernici no pernicious behavior unwinds from the Scripture. The Apostle Paul, with the final word on it, covers all the bases, and there's just no more sexual immorality going on if that passage of Scripture is followed. Okay, um, uh, Joseph Weber, respectfully, it seems like he's backed you into a corner there. Oh, I, I can't believe it. You even make that kind of an Im implication of this. Uh, the Paul, the Apostle Paul, the same one who said adulterers will not inherit God's kingdom, it says much more in the Scripture about fornicators. Nobody's justifying it, but we're talking about sex, and we're talking about covenants. There are many people in the Old Testament who had sex with other people and never even implied that they became husband and wife when they had sex. The thing that God is concerned about with a married couple is the fact that they are in covenant. And when he said here in verse 9 of Romans, he said, Are we better than they? No, and no wise, for we have before proved the Jews. Uh, but he said, Let us do evil. He was, he was saying that there were those that were saying, Paul was saying, Let us do evil that good may come. He said, Anybody who says that, their damnation is just.
anybody who accuses me of saying, let us do evil that good may come. And that wasn't what Paul was saying at all. And he said, if you're saying that's what I'm saying, you need to be damned. Oh, okay, one more uh, minute here. Uh, well, let's see. I want to ask uh, Joseph Webb a question here, and I'll ask John the same question. It, it, it uh, Legal theory-wise, uh, according to biblical text, it seems to me, Joseph, that you're saying that a covenant cannot be broken. It seems to me that's where uh, you're hitching your wagon to. And, and, and that just, both from a biblical standpoint as well as a common sense standpoint, seems to me to be not credible. That, of, of course, God can break covenants, uh, with whomever he chooses to break. He broke his covenant. He divorced Israel. Uh, you're saying there is no uh, legal, biblical way to break a uh, covenant. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? What he's actually, what you, you use that portion in Jeremiah 3. He did give Israel a bill of divorce, but never implied that that meant he was not her husband anymore. He never even implied that because he said, if you'll just repent, I'll take you back. In fact, that's why there's going to be a rejoining of Israel to God in the last days. That's why they're going to be converted in one day as a nation, because that's still God's wife. Well, of course, of course, that scripture was used in Jeremiah as an anomaly, because in the law, once a bill of divorcement was given, a man was not allowed to take that wife back. Well, you see, that's, uh, John, the first that's verse... That's just the law. That's just the way it reads. You know, you, you have a lot of trouble here with, you know, listening to... For example, you totally misconstrued... Well, just misunderstood how I read Romans 3, 8. You were accusing me of saying, let us do uh, evil that good may come, and I just wanted to point out to the listener that, yeah, okay, I'm in good company. That's what people accuse the Apostle Paul of. Uh, Joseph? I, I'd, I'd like to ask about John's question uh, there. In the Old Testament, if a man divorced a woman, he couldn't uh, take her back. That's right, and that's why in Jeremiah 3, let's go back to that chapter now, God is speaking. And in the first verse, God speaking says, they say. He didn't say, I said. He said, they say. And he quotes Deuteronomy 24. And that's why he said, that's why he gave the illustration. But he says, that's not the way I think, Israel. Because I, you've committed adulteries against me over and over again, and I've given you a bill of divorcement. And he didn't go seeking another wife. And he said, if you'll only repent, I'll take you back, because you are still my wife. So that's why when Jesus was talking in the, uh, in the 10th chapter of, of Mark, and they came and asked him uh, about, is it lawful to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said, and what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorce and put him away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, Moses wrote you that precept. But from the beginning, every time God says, but from the beginning, and I say unto you, you can mark off that there's a new day coming right now. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, so they are no more twain. I don't know how it can be any plainer. Okay, okay but, but earlier you said if uh, Nancy divorces Jim, that ultimately she should go back to Jim, regardless of uh, how many marriages, uh, civil marriages, uh, to, to clarify it, uh, she's had. That seems to be contradicting the Old Testament standard. He has the right to divorce any couple. Let, 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 me, uh, let me say something here, especially because it's my hour, you know. Um, <laughs> the, the, a Christian is never uh, given liberty, and the Apostle Paul didn't give himself, himself liberty to marry an unbeliever. 
In fact, the scripture says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, when we, when we have uh, the unbeliever departing, and he says, let them depart, a brother and sister is not in bondage in such circumstances, I'm sure Mr. Webb would have them go back and chase after that person because of their covenant that he alleges. Of course, the Bible doesn't allege any covenants there. Now, uh, he's not really free to go back and marry that unbeliever. The apostle Paul said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Can I not lead about a sister wife as the other apostles, such as Peter? Uh, and, of course, even with widows, and uh, which apparently Mr. Webb has been one of, uh, they're only ta- allowed to marry, and uh, yet, yet only in the Lord. They're not allowed to marry an unbeliever. So, I mean, he's advising all kinds of violations of scriptures, all kinds of them. Well, you see, what you're implying now, John, is that the marriage law only applies to Christians. If that's the case, then the only people on earth that can commit adultery are Christians. I didn't apply that one stitch. You just said that. I never said that one. I didn't imply it. I don't mean it. I don't believe it. And I never said it. I don't know what... You know, I you, misunderstood you must be what you just said. with so many different people, you don't know who says what. Then I misunderstood what you just said. Well, well, here's what I just said. A Christian is only free to marry in the Lord. He is not free to marry an unbeliever. What, what, uh, I'm curious, uh, if, if, in view of that, uh, Joseph, if a believer marries an unbeliever, do you think that is actually a marriage? Absolutely. That's why Paul said also in the sixth chapter of Romans that... Uh, oh, I think it's a marriage. Pardon me? I think it's a marriage. But he's not. But it's a wrong. You know, it's a wrong thing for him to do. Now he's got an unbelieving spouse, and he's to stay with them if they plead. If they're pleading. Absolutely right. But in fact, if they, they stay with him, you might win them to Christ. It said. Well, no, it doesn't say that they might win them to Christ. In fact, it implies that they will not win them to Christ. I don't know how you read your Bible. Therefore, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Well, as, long as, they, as long as they remain with them. But when they leave them, it actually, the Scripture turns around and says, how do you know you'll save your husband? How do you know you'll save your wife? Oh, absolutely, With yes. the implication being you won't. What he's saying is, by staying there, you have the Holy Spirit able to work in their lives. But when, but when the unbeliever departs, the bondage is, the bond is broken. No, no, you're using the word you bondage for bond. The bond is broken. Well, that's because marriage is a bond. You well, keep me, saying covenant, but the Bible doesn't. It let calls me, what, it let me a tell bond. You, let me tell you what F.B. Meyer says that word means uh, in uh, uh, Dulamo, and uh, it means... That is not Dulamo. I'm sorry? That word is not Dulamo. It is Dulamo. It's Dulu. Do you loot Dulamo in the the text for that particular word? According to uh, the uh, uh, Strong's Concordance, Young's Concordance, and okay, fine, same number, fourteen o two. Yeah, but anyway, the word there actually means, according to F. B. Meyer, not a um, a state of servility, of slavery, of being uh, misused treated as a vassal slave or a chattel mortgage. He's saying you don't have to stay in that situation anymore. Go back up to verses 10 and 11 when, when and they operate there. You, when they leave you, you see, when they leave you, yes. you're not in that situation anymore. A well, brother or sister is not in chattel. But it, when it comes to your body, your body is chattel property in marriage. And I don't know if you're still married or not, but, I mean, in, in, uh, in, in marriage... The fact is, your body belongs to somebody else. Well, is her husband still alive? Who? The unbelieving husband. Is he still alive if he leaves? Is he still alive, or is she still in, in bondage? Uh, no, I'm asking you, when he leaves, he has to be alive to leave, right? Well, I think so. Okay, then Paul is schizophrenic again. If he well, that's what you say, but I don't have any problem. I mean, he's dealing with each, 
If Each while her husband liveth, she be married to another that's man, she's the widow. That's the widow. Do we have a widow on no, her? No, 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 that's no. That's the advice he gave no, the widow. No, you, you misunderstood me, John. I said, if while her husband lives, she's not a widow, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. If she marries while her husband is still alive.